Hello, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. With your host, Kenneth Bacor. This is episode 22, recorded on April 16th, 2021. This episode of the EV Revolution Show is sponsored by File Sanctuary. Need a great web host for your business? Need to get email at yourdomain.com? They provide professional, feature-rich web and email hosting for any project you have in mind. Get started today at filesanctuary.net forward slash cloud and save 10% with promo code EVREVSHOW. All right, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. My name is Kenneth Bocor, your host. But you guys who are tuning in already know that. You know who I am. But I do appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Uh, as I always want to bring really, really smart people onto these podcasts and people that have different viewpoints of the electric vehicle marketplace. And I'm really stoked to have somebody that I've been interfacing with electronically for some time, but I haven't had a chance to speak to live. Mr. Darren John, he's the founder and editor in chief of Drive Tesla Canada website. Darren, how are you? Doing great. Thanks, Ken. How are you? Thank uh, I'm great. And thanks very much for, for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. It's great, great to have a fellow knucklehead, as I always call us. I get a lot of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of chuckles with that. Yeah. Um, and you and I were just talking before I pressed the record button. So you're, you're living the beautiful West Coast in the lovely city of Victoria, B.C. That's right. And you guys are getting more sun than we are here in Ontario right now, from what I'm hearing. Yeah, we've, got a, we've had a nice stretch of weather lately. Um, yeah, nice <laughs> and sun. It, Take it while you got it, because it, it could turn exactly. out a dime, that's for sure. Well, listen, thanks again for taking the time. And, and folks, I wanted to bring in Darren because I've been, I've been following his website for quite some time. It's actually one of my go-to websites for sources of news stories. So he does an excellent job corralling different bits of information and presenting it in a really nice manner. So I thought I'd have him on and we could discuss you know, a few things about the EV marketplace. He's pretty plugged in pun intended, folks. And I figured, you know, we'll give this a little bit different spin and uh, give you guys something to listen to. So, so Darren, the first thing I want to uh, ask is, uh, and again, I only, I came across your website after I got my Model 3. I, I, I might have come across it before, but it was more relevant for me uh, because it was a Tesla, you, know, you do a lot of Tesla content. But um, first of all, your background. So you, you, you're an EV owner today, correct, Darren? That's right. I have a standard range plus Model 3. And when did you get that? I got it in um, June of 2019, so oh, okay. coming up two years. Yeah. So one of the earlier adopters, at least from that uh, perspective, um, that would have been, was that probably early for the West Coast releases, or was it out a little bit prior to that? No, it, it had been out for um, probably close to a year uh, when okay. I got mine. So, okay. Yeah. And how are you loving it so far? Still love it like the day I drove away from the Tesla store in Vancouver. Yeah, the it's listeners. Just, a, just an amazing car. The listeners can't see. You know, we're we're actually talking via WebEx, and so we're videoing. We can see each other, and you have that EV grin. So you know, it just it's kind of <laughs> addictive, right? We can't get rid of this EV grin when we talk about uh, either Model Threes or or other EVs that are into now. Is it, and this is your first all electric vehicle? Is that correct? It is, yes. Okay. And what made you want to get into an EV? What was that, uh, your, your journey to an electrification? Uh, well, I've, I've kind of always been interested in cars. I kind of grew up around cars. My dad was in the car business. Um, so um, he went through a lot of cars in, in my youth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, 
um, something else you might not know about me. I was actually born in South Africa. So mm. um, when Elon started Tesla back or got involved with Tesla back in, in the early 2000s, I, just that angle of uh, South African starting uh, getting into the EV business uh, kind of drew my attention to it and then kind of followed it along. And then um, one of the first, if, if not maybe the first uh, Tesla Roadster that came to Canada came to uh, the area where I live, uh, mm-hmm. one of the Gulf Islands. That's right. Yeah, so I had had an opportunity to see it then. Um, I think that was back in 2010 or 2011, mm-hmm. and then kind of just followed the company from there. And kind of at the beginning, never really thought I would actually own one, but with the introduction of the Model Three, it kind of became a little bit more attainable. And then finally, in 2019, my wife finally convinced me to <laughs> place that order. <laughs> Interesting. Your wife convinced you because in my family, it was the other way around. I had to convince my wife and that's probably more, you know, more times out of 10, it'll be that way. So that's, that's lucky for you that, uh, that your wife was thinking ahead and, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, same for me. I, you know, I thought about electric cars for, for some time, but you know, the affordability and when, when the model three was announced, that's kind of what, what hooked my attention to the marketplace and my listeners know my story, so I won't repeat it, but, um, it's interesting because, you know, yeah, Tesla is a premium brand, right. And they've been very expensive vehicles, but yeah. in very solid technology, right. You know, I, I keep saying that they're probably the best battery management systems on the planet right now. I, I would say, you know, Porsche Taycan and, some others that are up there are, are very good now. You know, it's catching up, but they still lead with efficiencies and, and, and BMS. Absolutely. And, and that part of the, the uh, what drew me to Tesla is, is that tech mm-hmm. side of it. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you can attest when, when you first get into a Tesla, it's, it's not like stepping into any other car. <laughs> it's a totally different experience, even before you uh, put your foot down on the accelerator. Absolutely. So you got you got your Model Three in um, uh, in 2019, and that's around the same time then that your website uh, f- was for you know formed. And I and I know that you were saying that that's not a full time gig for you that you're doing that part time. How did that come about? Yeah. So I like I said, I got my Model Three in uh, June of 2019, and mm-hmm. um, over the past 10, 15 years, I've I've kind of started a few other websites that. Um, are no longer around, but I've kind of always enjoyed um, creating websites and content like that. And uh, and once I got my Model Three, I mean, I'd always been following Tesla and being interested in, in EVs and Tesla uh, before that. But once you get one, it kind of t- you kind of go to a, a different level of uh, mm-hmm. interest, and you kind of you just want to take in everything you can. So. Once I got my Model 3, I, like I said, I was just reading anything and everything I could, and um, just my interest in creating websites previous to this, uh, I just felt like it was a, a, a good fit for me. Excellent. And uh, you just wanted to continue to, you got excited and wanted to just kind of take that excitement into a different creativity, something you've already been accustomed to and try to help uh, extend the knowledge out to, uh, to folks uh, globally because websites are, uh, you know, uh, reachable anywhere. Right. Exactly. And, and as I said, um, you know, uh, it is one of the websites that I go to for my sources of news information. So, you know, you're doing a fantastic job. Um, Thank you. Now, um, Obviously, though, you know, it says drive Tesla Canada. So listeners that might be in other countries going, well, it's not relevant for me, so I'm not going to go check it out. But, you know, again, 
you're providing more content than just Tesla news. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. So when I started the website, um, again, part of, or another part of the reason for starting it was there was kind of, I felt there was a kind of a gap in, in Tesla and EV coverage from a Canadian perspective. So that's part of the reason why I went for the, for the Canadian angle. So at the beginning, yeah, it was definitely, um, Tesla and, um, with a strong focus on Canada, and it still is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we were seeing earlier, the EV marketplace is a big one, and um, thanks to Tesla, more and more um, automakers are getting getting involved and in bringing out um, better products. So it's just kind of naturally evolved since since I started it to include more than Tesla and more than Canada. And yeah, it's it's growing nicely. It is absolutely, and you know, you make a good point. I mean, th- there is lots of um, Tesla content out there, but a lot of it is structured in in more in user groups and forums and things like that, which could be very hard to digest for the average consumer. I mean, you know, yes, I've gone into a couple of uh, forums. My good friend Trevor, of course, has his forum, and I've gone a little bit into there. But there's so much; it's really, really hard to kind of keep up and for me as an average consumer with time and the ability to digest all that whereas you know websites like yourselves it's much easier for me to to, to look at relevant content that that if it's particular to let's say a software update for my model three or something about that and then of course the other content that you bring so it's easier for me to to look at that so um i agree i think that the method that you've chosen here is a much easier um, way for the average consumers. I mean, you know, a lot of the people that are in the forums are, are early adopters or are very tech centric and, you know, like that, but most people don't have the time because it, there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Usually um, the forums are populated, like you said, with those, I would hesitate to use the word hardcore enthusiasts, but yeah. people that are, are really into knowing the latest and, and mm-hmm. greatest um, everything Tesla. So like you said, it, it makes going through forums and getting the information that way a little more difficult for the average EV owner. Absolutely. And uh, nothing wrong with forums because I use them too. They're great sources of, of information. And if I have a specific sure. thing I'm yeah. looking for, you know, oh, gee, you know, uh, how do I, how do I, you know, change the air filter on my Model 3 or something? There's going to be a lot of great information as an example on that. On that. But, um, you know, for general uh, sense of news and updates and what's going on in the industry related to Tesla and beyond, uh, you know, websites like yours are, are much more easy to consume and to to go through on a regular basis. So you've, you started with original uh, Tesla content because obviously there's a, there's a big following and a need there, but over time you seem to have divested into, into the other areas. And, you know, you touched a little bit upon that, but could you elaborate a little further about how that happened? Sure. Um, I, I'm not quite sure there was a, a particular incident or yeah. event that kind of triggered that. Um, Tesla was kind of the, um, the innovator of the EV space. And like I was saying earlier, um, they have helped push other automakers to bring EVs, EV products to the marketplace. Um, so it just kind of felt natural to not just focus on Tesla because not everyone's going to want to Tesla or, or, right. um, so it yeah it just kind of naturally evolved to 
include more than just this Tesla. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you know, I, I've been echoing those words as well, where, yes, Tesla is one of the great choices out there, but a lot of people won't buy a Tesla, no matter how great one says it is. They just won't for whatever reason. Like, you know, Ford guys won't buy GMs, GMs won't buy Fords, whatever, you know, the case is, right? You're a car guy, as you mentioned. I've been around the block for driving for 40, uh, over 40 years, so I go way back. And uh yeah, you know, it could be it could be a, a hard, you know, sell to try to push somebody. And again, I think you take the same tactic as I do is we're not trying to push any particular brand or, you know, mode of, of electrical uh, electric transportation, but to, to provide awareness and insight into this in, this phenomenon, which is the electric vehicle industry and how it's really substantiated and started to grow. Exactly. And it, and it kind of follows Tesla's um, mission statement as well to advance the adoption of mass electric transport so mm -hmm. if we if we were to just focus on tesla it would kind of be counterintuitive to that right absolutely correct absolutely um so and uh, in, in now would were you originally looking to focus as you mentioned on canada predominantly because that's in the title but you seem to have gone beyond a little bit of just the canadian marketplace for for some coverage is that correct that's right um Canada is only as as big as it is. Um, there's a lot of news that happens outside of Canada, and um, I've been fortunate enough to get some um, loyal followers uh, in Europe. I have a pretty big um, contingent of European readers, so mm, um, yeah, I try and focus um, or not focus solely on Canada and, and include news from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, are, are there particular um, uh, regions that you have, you know, pretty substantial followings, you know, beside like, uh, obviously Canada, but where are you seeing some of the interaction come? Uh, you mentioned Europe. Can you be a little more specific? Do you have some different parts of Europe or other parts of the world that you're seeing a lot of interactivity from? Um, if I had to pick a handful of countries, uh, mm -hmm. in Europe, I would say, um, France and Germany are, are mm -hmm. two, uh, okay. of the top ones. Um, interesting maybe a little bit of norway as well i mean mm -hmm. they have an extremely high rate of ev adoption so that's not too surprising but yeah if i had to pick pick a few those would be up there uh, interesting and yeah. anything uh from your your uh, homeland or or australia and some of the other countries there um there has been a little bit of uh interest from south africa um i have covered a few stories um uh, the power wall has recently been introduced there. So, um, got some, uh, readers from there. Um, and I think maybe a month or two ago, the first model X arrived in South Africa as well for like a promotional tour, a, a private oh, wow. company brought one in. So, okay. um, yeah, got some from there as well. Really? It's only that recent. Yes. Unfortunately. Um, hmm. yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly why. It probably import taxes and mm. and stuff like that that has prohibited Tesla from entering that country just yet. Absolutely! Wow, interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so, so, talking about that, then I mean, because I know from YouTube, I can get analytics and metrics, so it's kind of e it's easy for me to get a sense of where my audience is, what countries, and you know, all you can drill in till till you're blue in the face if you want and i don't go that deep but just try to always try to keep up with where your ship's coming from so that's good that you get that that clarity and some of that understanding um 
So in, in your time now in covering the EV marketplace, let's talk about some of the past. What it, how have you seen it progress since you started covering this back in uh, uh, 2019? Is that correct, 2019? 2019, yeah. Uh, there's definitely been a big shift. Um, back when I got my Tesla in 2019, there was a lot of questions about, um, is Tesla going to survive? Are they going to go bankrupt? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that was one of the, the factors that was playing with my decision. Do, do I want to buy a Tesla if Tesla's not going to be here six months from now? Mm-hmm. And um, since then, there's been a, from my perspective at least, and I think you'd probably agree, that there's been a definite shift that that question isn't really there anymore, unless you're one of those hardcore um, Tesla Q people who believe that no matter what, Tesla's going to go bankrupt. Um, so from a Tesla perspective, there's been a huge shift in, in that thinking towards the company. And even in the two years since I've got my Tesla, there's just so many more options that have come out since then in, in the EV sector. Um, and it's only just going to continue going forward. Yeah, they've really been, as I say, you know, the, the catalyst, uh, the spark in the marketplace. Um, I think I mentioned before, just before we started recording, that I do a lot of public speaking. I go on to public events because I'm part of Electric Vehicle Society of Canada, and you know, you know, and, and different clubs. You're part of Tesla Club as well. So, so we we mix our goals are to you know propagate the EV message where it makes sense. And um, I, I always use the Model Three reveal as the iPhone moment for EVs because it really was that much of a catalyst and and a, and a change. I mean. Tesla didn't reinvent the automotive marketplace. Neither did Apple with the smartphones. Smartphones were, you know, were already in existence at that time. What they did is focus on the user experience. Say, how can we broaden that user experience to make it so that you can do so much more with this device and want it and, and need it as part of your daily life? And Tesla's, you know, was very much the same. How do we make this a better user experience for our clients? And in in the same token moving forward the yardsticks of sustainable transportation. Yeah, and you know, and I said that a number of times that if you make a, a fun product, people are going to buy it, and that's exactly what he's done. Exactly. A lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You know, we've seen a lot of large steps in the EV industry to get where we are today. Now, um, it, I know when Trevor and I were doing our shows, we kept talking about 20, you know, 2020, that it was going to be this magical year that, you know, the skies would part and EVs would fall from the sky and it would be all magical. Well, that hasn't happened. Now, you know, pardon me, nobody ever uh, could predict the pandemic. But even barring that, you know, it still has been a slower climb for a lot of the major OEMs. Uh, where do you think do you, they are now? And do you do you uh, in your opinion, since you cover a lot of them, do you think that they, you know, the ones that we're seeing the movement are committed to the EV movement and will will succeed in it? I think the probably um, outside of Tesla, the the one automaker that's really standing out to me is is BW. Um, they really seem, at least from what they're um, projecting, that they're really serious about. Um, in going in the direction of uh, electric. Um, and then there's others like Ford who just came out with the, the Mach-E um, and GM has seemingly ambitious plans to bring out a lot of EVs. Um, we'll see if they're able to stick to their, their plans and their timelines. Um, but like we were just talking about from two years ago from today, 
there's a clear shift that basically every automaker is going electric and and that is the future and whether that's going to be two years from now or 10 years from now um who knows but um it's definitely going everything's going electric (laughs) yeah great point i you know I, i say to folks it's and as you just said it's not necessarily a matter of if it's just a matter of when and to what degree you know who who gets to what point at certain points of time um, and I totally agree. I mean, I would say probably globally, you know, Honda, Mazda, Toyota are still kind of behind, the, you know, the lanes uh, from yeah. from a major OEM perspective. But, you know, they are, you know, slowly opening the box and uh, begrudgingly maybe <laughs> starting to, to to make plans, you know, as, as they do. So uh, it's interesting you see VW because I, I'm, I'm a lot of people know I'm a big promoter of VW. Um, and I have been for a couple of years, ever, actually, ever since I you know, started this channel, I've been talking a lot about VW because they have been making a lot of announcements. And, you know, a lot of people take these announcements as just kind of hot air and it's just marketing fluff because they've got this bad rap with Dieselgate and they need to, you know, trying to clean it up. And they are. They, but in order to do that, you have to throw money and you need money and time in order to make that transition. Um, I think, you know, Darren, you know, the average OEM. Um, from concept car to something that rolls off the production line, that cycle can take, you know, anywhere from four to five years on average. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be accelerated, but that's kind of the average. So when somebody's talking about coming out with EVs and and spending, you know, $50 billion or all these numbers to do it, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, there's a game plan that had already started or that starts, and it takes time to get something like that out. Um, And building the, you know, uh, the, the their versions of the skateboard platform that you know Tesla originally came out with is you know the economies of scale to do it right build a standard platform and just throw different skins extend contract a little bit as you need to and it makes your costs of being able to bring product to market and if anybody can do it I agree with you it's VW you know six hundred thousand plus workforce one hundred thirty some odd plants globally markets all over the place twelve brands as part of the VW group I mean they're they're a huge huge automaker. That were number one in 2019, but that slipped to number two in 2020. I think Toyota took top spot with their Corolla as a brand. But um, absolutely right there. And, you know, I totally agree that VW is going places. And what did you think? uh, And what really surprised me with them is the recent pricing that we just saw a few days ago on the ID4. What did you think of that? I think it's, it's great pricing for the consumer. I was I was kind of surprised that they were able to bring it in at the prices they did. Um, if people are listening unfamiliar, the uh, the base model rear wheel drive is going to come in at forty four nine nine five, I believe it was, mm-hmm. um, which means it qualifies for the federal IZEV red rebate. And then the uh, all wheel drive version will be um, forty nine 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 five, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so under fifty thousand, and then that also obviously qualifies for the five thousand dollar rebate. So um, cheaper than the Model Y, obviously. Um, so, if they're able to deliver a quality product, it should sell, I think, really well in Canada. And it seems like they are. I mean, the, the initial reviews that I'm seeing from the U.S. and and these places that are starting to get deliveries and early access to it are all very positive. I mean, uh, you know, like any first version, there's going to be some potentially some software bugs and things like that, which will get worked out. But for the size of the vehicle being a, you know, not like it's a compact SUV, but it's not too small, but it's not too big either. So it's kind of, 
you know, a very comfortable size vehicle from what I could see. And, you know, efficiency seems to be good. Not, you know, it's not as industry leading as Tesla is, but it's good. And, you know, to get 400 kilometers on their uh, on their their model here in Canada with, you know, the heat pump and all, all the Canadian winterization stuff that they're offering at that price point, I think is phenomenal. And I think I think, you know, what backs it up is they have a really strong charging curve. Yeah, the um, fast charging curve that is so. Yeah, <laughs> to clarify, and what I mean by that, folks, is that you know it's they're able to draw a really good amount of power for a long period of time, and and it's nice stabilized. So, what that means on road trips is that your experience will be you know like a twenty to thirty minute should be enough of a stop to get a decent enough range to keep you going for another couple hours or so, and that's kind of what road tripping is about in an EV. Um, now in BC, when you, you mentioned price, Darren, you guys have an advantage, uh, a, you're getting them first, the ID force, from what I hear that, uh, you guys in Quebec, but you, you, you have the, the, I, uh, 5,000 federal that you mentioned, but you also have additional, um, incentives. What are those? Yeah. In BC, we have what's called the, um, clean energy vehicle rebate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an additional $3,000 off the price. So combined with the federal, you get 8,000 off. So. That base model that we were talking about, the rear-wheel drive ID4, that brings the price down to, uh, going to do some math in my head quickly, yeah. uh, 44 39 and yeah. then so th- $36,000 yeah. um, out the door. So very attractive price, I think, for um, an electric crossover SUV. Um, and then in Quebec, they get even more. They get another 8000 off, mm-hmm. so it brings $14,000 off in total. So. And that's the reason why they bring the ID4 to BC and Quebec first, because they know it's going to sell well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, even and in Quebec, I mean, it could come in as low as around 32000 or so. You know, I mean, really, what a bargaining price, as I said on one of my last shows. And in BC, I believe it also qualifies for part of the Scrap It program, does it not? So you can get some additional incentives? Um, I'm actually not aware if it qualifies for the scrap it i know tesla doesn't um but the scrap it program if you trade in um there's certain requirements around what your vehicle needs to be able to do or how long you've owned it but okay. if you trade in uh, an old gas guzzling car you can get an additional six thousand dollars off so mm-hmm. yeah uh, combined with the the five and the three you're up to a lot of money off <laughs> yeah no for sure so i i think it may uh, i might have to check into that because again it's Pricing only came out, but you know I agree with you what you said earlier. I mean, VW is is serious. I think they are one of the big movers and shakers of this industry, and people are going to get sick of me saying that, but it's the truth. Um, and I I believe the VW the ID four is going to do extremely well in North America. Um, I don't think they're going to break sales records this year because they're going to have a hard time cranking them out. But you know I would I'm already thinking ahead for 2022 as potentially the EV of the year call for me. Um, because I think they're going to do that well at that price point. I, I, I truly agree with you, Darren. I thought it was going to come in higher. Uh, I figured they'd sneak, you know, some really, you know, the lower battery pack size model into the, you know, the 44.9, and then everything else would be up there, uh, kind of like what Tesla did for the Model 3 almost. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, for them to offer both versions and still get some incentives, I think in Canada, we know, you know, it'll follow suit in the U.S. with the U.S federal tax credit and, and lots of 
different states and and other incentives that are in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that. To me, that they're going to be a ser- uh, uh, definitely a serious contender in this business. Yeah, it's a very attractive price point. I mean, we saw with the standard range Model Y how popular it was for the month that it was available. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was, <laughs> yeah, and it was at what fifty six thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and mm-hmm. it was flying off the shelves, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the ID four should do very well at that price. True, exactly. Now, beyond VW, who, what else then are you seeing? You know, based on your coverage of the marketplace, um, uh, you mentioned GM a bit. Yeah, they, they, they. You know, I do stick up for them because they've done a couple things. You know, they they say they're all into electrification and they have a this Altium platform to back it up. But I mean, they 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 did a, they did something really unique is they changed their brand and that you know that's something that they haven't done in forty years or so. And you know, brand branding is extremely important, as you know. You know, look at McDonald's, Coke, Pepsi, whatever. You know, these are Nike. These are people can look at it and know exactly what it's all about, right? What what it means. And it's a very important thing to to mess around with a brand that you've had for so long. It wasn't a big change, but it was a change. What does that, in your opinion, tell you about where GM wants to go? Well, I'm I'm hopeful that that means it it shows that they're serious with um, with their intention to go electric. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were saying, the the brand the brand recognition is is something that is invaluable i would say um in in my case my i mentioned earlier that my dad was in the car business he he's a big mercedes-benz fan and mm. um when i got my tesla i tried to convince him to to buy one and he, he was like no i'm holding out for the um the eqc um no sorry the eqa and then yeah. that got cancelled for north america and then mm-hmm. um so w- we'll see what happens but um changing changing the brand it, it is is huge like you were saying um mm-hmm. because people it, when you when you've been around that long that's what people know and 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 stick to yeah i mean you know these are 100 plus years at making car companies so you know they know what they're doing and uh when they when they do those kind of shifts it, you have to take it seriously because it, there's a lot of business they're riding on it so um who else from you know a couple more automakers do you are you confident that we're going to see some really good movement into the electrification space come from um that's a good question um ford is is probably one um that comes to mind um Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would just add in again, another why to back that up, Darren, they're serious. I mean, again, they took their marquee brand, right? Mustang, which is inherent to Ford. In fact, um, you know, when when we talked about the model, when I mentioned the model three reveal being kind of like the iPhone moment, because, you know, part of it was, you know, 130 some odd thousand reservations when they went to air of this car unseen, people putting real money down, which grew to probably half a million or so. We never really got a firm number, but a large number of people um, putting money down on, on that car. And that had never been done before, except for the 60, if I got it correct, the 64 and a half Ford Mustang when it first came out. They had about 60,000 pre orders. But these were people that, you know, saw the car 
after it was announced and, you know, went into a dealership and put some money down. So before the car was actually into, you know, coming, rolling off production. So a similar like, background, but not exactly, obviously not like, like the model three. So, you know, Ford, there's a lot of history with that brand. It's to take the Mustang and, and build a dedicated platform from the ground up and with, with a Mustang backing badging to me is a big risk for Ford, right? Cause you could alienate a lot of people. You're a car guy, right? A lot of, I'm sure you might have had a Mustang in a previous <laughs> life. I don't know. I've had a Ford. I've had a couple of Fords in my previous life. So, um, what do you know? Do you agree that that's a big risk for them? It was definitely a big risk. Um, as soon as they announced that it was going to have that Mustang name, um, just reading on forums and and online the, the chatter that was going on, um, a lot of people felt like Ford was making making a mistake by doing that, um, mm-hmm. and. I guess we'll see if if they're able to have the Maki live up to that name. Well, so far so good. I mean, yeah, I did a quick review on on a, uh, one of the first owners in the area that got one, and it was a beautiful car. I mean, you know, he's there's a couple of bugs they got to work out. I think that he's he should talk to me. But again, as any first year run vehicle, there's always going to be potentially a couple of small things. But a very very comfortable car to drive, and extremely quiet. I mean, you mentioned MB uh, Mercedes before, but this car was really quiet, like for for a non luxury vehicle, right? Yeah, I had the opportunity to drive one about a month ago as well, and um, like I was saying earlier, with stepping into a Tesla, it's it's kind of a total different experience. Whereas mm-hmm. stepping into the Mach-E, it felt like a Ford. It felt like a, mm-hmm. a, a gas car. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, it, it it's I think it's a very um, very good EV for the average buyer. Um, if someone doesn't want to want to get into a Tesla just for whatever reason, yep. um, I think it's it's a very good alternative. Well, the the beauty, as you mentioned earlier, about the the uptake in the market and the growth is, you know, that there are a lot. There's a lot more choice now than we did two years ago, when you two or three years ago when you started even your website. When I got into this in in uh, you know 2016 in this market, it's completely different than it is uh, today as far as the availability of choice. Um, and good quality products. And we've seen the bar rise from, you know, 150 miles, uh, whatever that is, 240 kilometers, or 250 kilometers, whatever, as a as a baseline to now, you know, 200 mile club, but now about 300 miles. That seems to be, I think, the point that we need to get to, to just kind of average. You're going to people go over like Lucid and, you know, and all these others are going to build really long range cars and, and Tesla. But you know, when you got 300 miles, you got about 500 kilometers. That, that's pretty good on a charge. You know, even even in winter when you can lose half, you can. You know, I, I can't drive more than a couple hours without having to stop for a while and take a break. So uh, I think that's pretty adequate. I totally agree. I think we've already reached the point in terms of average mileage on an EV that is going to it's going to satisfy 95 percent of buyers and their driving habits. Mm-hmm. It's that that other five percent that like to take long road trips or um, have long commutes that the higher mileage cars are are, are going to suit. Absolutely, and um, because you're covering more than just Tesla and your website, you are looking at, of course, the OEMs, the uh, the, the Fords and the, the GMs, and all this stuff. But you're also looking at the ecosystems side of the EV business, and you know you're bringing stories about you know um, battery recycle, uh, you know. Um, raw materials companies that are getting into this. Um, how have you seen that change over time? Um, that's a good question. Uh, 
there's from a Canadian perspective, at least, mm -hmm. there, sure. there's a lot of um, Canada has a big mining sector, and and they have a big um, a lot of uh, resources that um, are required to go into EVs in, and EV batteries. Um, so Canada is definitely kind of taken, I think, um, center stage almost in in that regard. Um, mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I, I'm seeing the same thing. I mean, it really is uh, growth globally, but I am seeing, at least in the past year, the the uh, opinion of Canada as potentially a lot higher up the food chain from the EV market become much stronger. People are recognizing not only, as you mentioned, the resource capabilities that we have, but, you know, the the the, uh, the tech side of it, the the uh, the intelligence, you know, the the creativity that we have in the innovation that we have in the Canadian marketplace. Um, I think a lot of not only OEMs, but a lot of the ecosystem players are taking notice of that. And hopefully we'll see more business, more of that come to Canada over the next few years. Do you agree with that? I Yeah, I, I agree. I think we always have a very um, strong oil and gas sector. Mm -hmm. And I think in this shift global shift to electrification i think we have a we have a pretty good shot at um not losing ground in that respect yeah good point now i wanted to ask you um what your thoughts are on the future where do you see the next few years of electrification going and what's a tipping point for you because everybody has a different determination and different thought about what would be the ev reflection point or tipping point what do you think about that um, in terms of the tipping point, I think it's still that the, the base price, um, that still needs to come down to, um, a, a point that is comparable to gas cars. Um, mm -hmm. you and I both know that even though it's a high upfront cost, that the lifetime maintenance and fuel savings more than outweigh that initial, um, upfront cost, but still people think the average consumer only thinks of. How much am I going to be paying out the door, and how much am I paying per month? And so, I think that's one of the the key tipping points, in my opinion, is getting that that base price down. Um, and then I think the other side of it is um, government support. Um, like we were talking about earlier, BC and Quebec have um, some generous incentive programs, and the stats show that those work because BC and Quebec have the highest rates of EV adoption in Canada. Um, BC just a couple of weeks ago came out with a report that there's now 54,000 EVs on the road in BC, which is, I think it was nine point something percent of, of passenger cars. So, um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we have Saskatchewan. I bring up them because they just recently introduced an EV tax. Yes. Um, that's going to be implemented later this year. $150 a year um, for EV owners. Um, and they, as a province, Saskatchewan doesn't offer any incentives. They haven't really built out an EV fast charging network. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and that's another bit, big uh, part of it is the charging network. Mm -hmm. um, people need to be able to find places to charge because not everyone has a garage, not everyone has um, somewhere at their where they live that they can charge so absolutely so 
you know, great synopsis of, of that snapshot. I totally agree with you. And, you know, we won't go down the Saskatchewan rat hole because there's already enough talk about it, but it, maybe they'll yeah. wake up and smell the coffee. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, I think one of the tipping points is certainly the cost parity. Do you see that coming by mid-decade? A lot of analysts are talking about 2025, 2026. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, just in the way prices have um, come down in the last couple of years, um, it's only going to, I think, get quicker. So mm-hmm. I, I think 2025 is definitely a, a reasonable target to have EV's, EV price parity with gas cars. I totally agree. I mean, I'm I'm hoping it's sooner. I think we, we both hope it's sooner, but realistically, you know, plus or minus a year, we'll have to wait and see and uh, and go from there. Um, well, listen, there's our end music. So that means that we're getting close to the end of the show and, and I'm watching the clock here. Uh, I really appreciate your insights that you've provided. You want to tell a little bit more about how folks can find the website and, and you know, uh, if they maybe some might want to be a contributor to it, how to, how to connect with you on that? Sure. Um, the website is drivetestcanada.ca, um, and you can find us uh, on social media as well: Twitter, um, Facebook, Instagram. Drive Test Canada. Pretty easy to find. And uh, if you want to get in touch and and perhaps contribute, uh, more than happy to hear from you. You can uh, find our contact information on the website. That again, you know, you guys, you do a great job, Darren. My hats off to you. I know it's a lot Thanks, of work to, to wrangle all that in, and, and your coverage is is very objective all the time. Uh, and that's probably a Canadian thing. We tend to be <laughs> a little more polite, maybe in our coverage. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. But uh, you know, it's a great website, great go to for me, and I continue to follow it um, Thank you. passionately, and, and again, use it uh, as some of my stories. So. Listen, I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's a busy day for you as always, but it's been uh, been a pleasure to, to finally meet you. We, we've corresponded yeah, likewise. And, uh, you know, I wish you continued the best of success uh, in the website and hope uh, a lot of the listeners will tune in. Any last uh, words? No, thanks for having me, Ken. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on. No problem. Well, I appreciate it too. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Ken. Thanks again for listening, folks. You can email me if you have comments. Email at ev revolution show at gmail.com follow me on twitter at ev rev show i'm also on instagram ev revolution show and if you uh, have any suggestions for shows please let me know thanks again for listening and please everybody stay safe and until the next time i'll see you when i see you